Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Rod, for this opportunity to come and bring the word and uh, share with you uh, many things that the Lord is doing in our lives and also to be part of the worship. It's amazing. Being here, I just feel at home. And what you guys are doing, they're doing a great job. Great job. Wonderful music. And I just felt, wow. You feel you are one in spirit. And you know that actually the song that we are doing here, we do them back home as well. So if you come home, you come to Livingstone, Zambia, you will not be a stranger. When you come to worship with us, of course, with us, our service are long. And uh, Pastor Rod will testify to that. <laughs> he was asked to bring greetings, and then he was told, you only speak for three, five minutes, and then he starts speaking for five minutes, say, am I done? He said, no, go on. And then he had to keep on speaking for another 15 minutes, say, go on. Another 30 minutes, he say, am I done? He said, no, go on. <laughs> and he had to speak for almost two hours. So. That was baptism of fire. <laughs> it is indeed an honor to stand before you and minister with you this morning. Um, I want to go straight into the scripture and uh, share what God has placed upon my heart this morning, just to bring a word of encouragement, uh, to encourage you this morning with the scriptures. Uh, we're going to read from Job chapter 1, uh, reading verse 8, Job chapter 1. We'll read verse 8, and then we'll also read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through to verse 19. I hope you bear with my pronunciation and uh, the way we pronounce words. I remember a certain time I was speaking at CPC, and I mentioned, say, we are going to read from First uh, Samuel chapter number 7, verse 30. With us in Zambia, we say 30. And then I saw that everyone was lost. And I said, oh, sorry, verse 30. <laughs> so my pronunciation may sound a little bit off, but I hope and pray that the Spirit of God himself will make it clear and audible to you. Amen. All right, so we'll read straight from Job chapter 1, uh, verse 8. And the scripture records, then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Amen. Then we move on to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. The scripture records, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the sense, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us 
who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to share this morning with you on the message I've entitled, I hear, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your faith. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and encouraged the church there. This is a church that he probably did not establish himself, but he just heard testimony. He received people who come back and they report as to what was going on in Ephesus about the faith, the church that was established there and what they were doing, how they were handling their walk with the Lord and all that kind of thing. And it impacted him. It moved him to a point where he felt he needed to write a letter and possibly try to make some kind of networking and the possibility of him visiting them later on so that he can impact them with gifts of the Spirit, even as he puts it in his writing. When you read through the scriptures, you see that Paul was excited about the things that were happening in that particular church. Normally, when we talk about faith, it is a shared faith. You speak out what God is doing in your life, and you desire that others also will see what God is doing in your life. That's why we talk about testimonies. Uh, the scripture encourages they overcame him by the word of their mouth and by the blood of the Lamb not holding back their own lives. Time and again, we are given opportunity to share the things that God is doing in our lives. We talk about ourselves. What is God doing? Um, Glenn was just talking about the things that have been happening in Zambia, in my life, and the journey, and all that. And at times, you even sit back and say, is he talking about me or talking about someone else? <laughs> I mean, there are those moments where at times you even wonder, is it you who is going through what you're going through? Or is it somebody else? So we have a story or a situation, a scenario given in the scripture talking about a faith of a particular group of people, a church that is in Ephesus, and the thing that they went through, their testimony in the midst of challenges, and how they handled their lives, how they kept their faith burning, how they kept the fire burning, the light glowing. Even in the midst of darkness, they did not Stop doing what they were doing. They continue to do the things that God had called them to do. And these things, they reach far and abroad, and they reach even the places where Paul was residing at the time when he was writing the scriptures. When you look at our lives and we look at maybe America, we talk about this great nation and uh, when we come from Africa, we hear about America, we always think of America, a land of great opportunities, a people who are highly favored and blessed by God, a superpower. Maybe sometimes that's sometimes going the wrong way. But when you look at it, you realize that actually the foundations of this nation are firm. And maybe they have been shaken a bit. Maybe things are not what they used to be. But the people who came out here, the founders, the founding fathers of this nation, they had great intention. And their philosophy, which was inspired and guided by Scripture, that we always admire. Us who come from Africa, we always admire when we think about America. And we actually attest and attribute the success of this nation and the greatness of these people attached to the foundation. 
And that's why when you read the scriptures, in Proverbs 23, verse 10, the Bible tells us to say, do not move the foundation stones. The foundation stones that have been laid, they are not supposed to be moved. They are not supposed to be lost. And the foundation stone we are talking about when we talk about America, we are talking about the foundations of the scriptures. The scriptures of the Old and the New Testament, which is a backbone of the greatness of this nation. But when we hear the other story of how America is now moving and shifting, it broke our hearts. When we read in the scriptures in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, the Bible tells us that he that is given much, much shall be required of them. He that is given much, much shall be required of them. America has been given great opportunities and wonderful stories and testimonies that have impacted not just America and its citizens, but also has impacted the world. The, to- the testimony of the revival in Azusa Street. This is something that we, some of us, we just read about them, and we, we desire at times even to go and visit those places and see what God was doing in that place. The, the revival of Azusa Street did not just impact Azusa, but it actually went beyond. It impacted America, but also impacted Africa in a positive way. And we thank God for that. But there are times when we get worried when we hear of what America is exporting. What type of faith are we exporting? There is a positive side of it, of course, but there is also the negative side. Things that we export, some movies that come from here, Jerry Springer. Those are some of the things that we end up actually receiving on the other hand. And people out there at times, they end up mirroring and actually judging or developing an opinion about America based on what has been exported out there. What is it that we are giving out there? There is a lot of good that we can give out there. And Paul, in his writing, when he talks about this church, he says, I have heard good stories about you. I've heard positive stories, testimonies that are impactful. Testimonies that made his heart to be warmed up. And he felt he needed now to write to them, to encourage them, remind them, and encourage them that to hold on and to continue fighting and pressing on. He wanted them actually to even go further. Instead of remaining at the same level, he wanted them actually to take it to another level. And he said, you can actually get to another level. You are not just meant to be ordinary, but to be extraordinary. You are not called to be a life that is just here and there, but a life that has impact, a life that transforms other people, a life that will attract other people, a life that makes other people to feel thirsty for the faith that you have, a life that will make the community around you to say, what you have, I also need it. So Paul was trying to bring it down to them. You say, you have something, but you can actually take it to another level. There is something that he heard about them. So there are three things that I want to bring to your attention quickly, and I'll be done. What do people hear about your faith today? What is it that they hear about you? We talk about America. We talk about the church in America. We talk about our faith. We talk about our journey. 
We talk about the thing that we go through in our day-to-day life. What is it that you are sending out to the neighborhood, the people around you, in your working place, the people maybe at school or wherever you interact and, and meet other people? What is it that people see in you? What is it that you carry in you that can actually portray that you are a child of God? Is there something, is there something that makes people hunger for what you have? When you open your mouth to speak, when you post things on the social media, when you walk around and carry yourself, when you're doing your shopping, when you're doing your day-to-day chores, what is it that people see in you that can attract them and to Jesus Christ? There must be something. Yesterday, as we, went, as we were checking in into the place where we were staying, and uh, we met this beautiful lady and we were talking to her, and uh, Glenn extended the invitation and said, why don't you come to church tomorrow and worship with us? Pastor Chris will be preaching tomorrow. I said, oh, where is that? It's a sanctuary. And he says, oh, well, um, yeah, I don't think I go to church. I don't go to church. I said, but why? He said, my father is a pastor, but I don't go to church. The testimony that she got, you could already pick up the vibe. You could already pick up someone who is actually pushing away whatever the father was trying to more or less like force down on her. And she said, I don't want that kind of faith. I don't want someone who judged me, someone who pushed me, someone who make me feel like I am nothing. Is that the kind of faith that we carry? I believe the faith that Jesus Christ brought to the world is the faith that makes people hungry. You hunger for more. The faith that Christ has given to the church is the faith that makes people actually desire you more. And they want your company. They want your fellowship. They want to know your God. They want to to be with you. They want to be around you. Because they know being around you, it brings out something better and something beautiful out of their lives. You're not standing there as someone who's judging them, but you're standing there and saying, you know what? God loves you. And he can still take you to another level. When we read Paul's writing in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, he says, says, the world is groaning, groaning to see the manifestation of the sons of God. Eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God. The world around us is in trouble. It needs the children of God to shine. It needs the children of God to arise. It needs you and I to stand out and be counted by God. Because God is looking at you and they say, you have something special, something better, something that you can offer. I know sometimes we look at ourselves and say, Pastor, I think you're speaking to wrong people. Do you know me? Do you know what I carry? Do you know the things I've been through? Do you think I am that person? Yes, you are. You are the right candidate. For you to be here this morning, it's an indication that you are the right candidate. You carry something powerful in you. There is something better in you. There is something bigger in you. And Paul is writing, he says, I've heard how you treat each other, how you love each other how you embrace the strangers, how you welcome people, how you let your light shine out of you, how you carry yourself, your devotion, your language, 
You don't use this kind of language. You know, the time when I was coming to America the first time, I thought everywhere I'll be hearing the language, which is cursing language, because that's what has been portrayed about America. But when I came here, no. Maybe I didn't even hear, not even a single word used by people who are cursing. But that's the kind of picture that has been portrayed out there. But you come here, you find people who are genuinely in love with God, really following after God himself and desiring to be his children and portraying his light to the world. Hallelujah. What have we had? What are the people saying about you? When they see you carry your Bible or when they see you say you're going to church on Sunday, what do they say, your neighborhood, the people around you? Do they see the light or do they see something else? Paul is saying, I've heard about this community of people and he's excited about them. He said, these people are great and they made his heart warm up to God. Number two, what about God? What does he say about you? I know sometimes we can put up a show. Sometimes we can pretend. Sometimes we can cover ourselves with all kinds of things so that people don't really know who we are. It's possible that sometimes we can carry on and pretend and go with the flow and do as everyone is doing, lift up our hands and worship. Maybe here it doesn't happen, but back home it's there. I don't know about you. Uh, You may have that kind of place, or you might be at that place where you feel, well, I don't need to be myself and really expose myself. But there is something very interesting about God himself. When we read in Job, the scripture talks about God's version of Job. And he's actually bragging. Can you imagine God bragging, taking time to brag about one of his children? in sanctuary, and he's even facing the devil because the devil is making a lot of noise and he's appearing before God. He said, hey, where are you coming from? Why are you here? He said, well, just been moving back and forth looking for someone that I can take advantage of. I said, oh, okay, all right. But have you considered my servant job? Have you seen my servant? Have you seen my child? Have you considered my child? This one, there is no one in the whole world like him. Now, imagine God talking to the devil about this guy like that. There is no one in the whole world like this one. This one is my servant. He warms up my heart. God's heart is warmed up by this particular individual because the Bible says he fears God. He shuns all evil. This is a person who is blameless. In all that he does, he's actually committed. And he say, have you seen my servant? Have you considered my servant? As you were taking your flight around California, as you were taking your flight around this area, uh, did you see my child? Have you considered my child? There is no one like him. What am I saying this morning? God has a clear picture about us. He knows us. When you read in Isaiah 43 verse 1, he puts it very clearly talking about us. He said, but now, thus saith the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You belong to God. 
You belong to God. And sometimes it feels like God is far away. We're just singing that song. There are times when we feel like God is not working. There are times when we feel like God is far removed. And you're all by yourself. But he still says, you are mine. You are mine. I know you by name. You are mine. He understands where you are. He knows the struggle you go through. He knows the potential he has placed in you. And he say, you can make it. You can do it. You can rise again. You can stand again. You can run again. You may feel like, well, all hope is gone, and I don't think I have any more energy for me to get up and do anything anymore. But God is saying, I have placed so much in you, and I believe in you. You can make it. Even in the midst of all this confusion, you can still stand. Hallelujah. I know sometimes we look at people and we say, ah, well, maybe in the Bible, only in the Bible, that's where he found people. But you know what, friends, even in the scripture, there are people who are just like us. They had similar challenges just like us. The scripture says Elijah was a man just like us, with similar challenges just like us. But God, in his greatness and sovereignty, he used him mightily. And he caused a lot of havoc in the kingdom of the evil one. When you read through the scripture, you see Moses, he calls him the meekest person on earth. He knows him. Nehemiah, he calls him restorer of the broken walls. He knows him. Job, he calls him faithful and obedient one. David, he calls him a man after his own heart. Jesus. He calls him my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. He knows you. He knows you. He calls you. You are his child. And he says, I know you. When you're weak, he knows you. He says, when you're weak, that's when my strength is made manifest in you. He knows you. He knows that the burden you're carrying is too heavy. And that's why he says, come to me, O ye who are heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. He said, I know you. I know you are trying so hard. I know that you are giving it all. And I know that you are trying to be pure, but you're failing. So that's why he said, come to me. And I'll give you the help that you need. I'll help you. I'll assist you. And in his sovereignty and in his power, he gives us help and earth. That's why Paul in his writing, he said, I pray for you. Even when I've heard about your testimony that you're doing well, but I know that you can do better. I know that you can actually reach another level. And he knows that you can't do it on your own. We can't do it on our own. I can't do it on my own. We need Jesus. We need him alone to help us in our weaknesses, to assist us and take us to another level of our testimony. Lastly, even when they had reached this kind of growth, and their testimony, there was still room for growth. There was still room for growth. There was still room that they would grow and get to another level. And there was room for you and I, even when we have reached a certain level, there is still room for us to improve. Even when they, their testimony was big and exciting, they did not stop there. They did not settle there. Paul in his writing, he said, don't settle. Because when you settle on the mountain, 
you end up missing the greater thing that God is wanting to do. There are times when we reach a certain level as a church. We reach a certain level in our testimony, and we feel, oh, we are there. And then we settle. But God says, no, don't settle. Don't settle, because you can still get things to another level. We can still grow. We can still impact more. We can still reach more. We can still do more for him. In his writing in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, he says, I do not consider that I'm already there. I still press on. I still press on. I'm not yet complete. I'm not perfect. I still press on so that I can get to the end of my journey. May God help you also that in your journey, you don't settle where you are and feel defeated and broken and feel like you can't make it. Because God always has something better. There is a better tomorrow. Today, you may have fallen. You just need to pull yourself up. Dust yourself up and press on. It's not yet over until he says over. He's still there watching and waiting. When you look at Job, in Job 42, verse 10, we realize that even when Job had gone through all these things, when his life was superb, perfect, excellent, with no blame, but still God was saying, I still want to get you to another level. When you read in 42, verse 10, he says, the end of Job was better than the first. Say, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. So there's always room for better. There's always room for you to get to another level. Paul prays for them to be better and stronger. Nehemiah prayed and fasted for his people when he heard about their condition of living so that it might be better than before. May you finish stronger than you started. May you end with the Elisha anointing, double portion. May you be restored and receive whatever you have lost. What the enemy of your progress may have taken away from you may be restored so that your testimony can continue to have an impact on others. This is your time to run back, to rise and head back to a place of bread like Ruth and Naomi. You have to maintain your walk of faith and keep on pressing on towards your goal. It's not yet over until the Lord says it's over. I'm here to encourage you this morning that I don't care what people think about you, but there is somebody who knows you better. There's someone who holds your life in his hands. There's someone who says, I know your days. There's someone who says, one day, each one of us will stand before him and give an account. There's someone who holds the whole universe in his hands. There's someone who cares more about you. There's someone who loves you more. And he says, I'm ready to walk with you and be by your side and encourage you so that you can make it and get to the other end. May God bless you. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Eternal loving Father, we come before you. We give you thanks, we give you praise because your God is supreme. We thank you for your children. 
We thank you for your church. We thank you for this ministry. We thank you for the families that are here this morning. Father in heaven, we want to bring each one of them before you. You know us. You hold us in your hands. You know where we are. You know what we have been through. You know the battles that we have gone through. Father, you have a plan for each one of them. Just want to lift them before you. The Lord, they will hear your heartbeat. They will realize that you are with them. You are the Lord who makes a way where there is no way. May you intervene by the power of your Holy Spirit. May you reveal yourself and your grace unto them. Pray, O King of glory, that you increase in their lives. You take them to another level. That their lives, O God, will have an impact. Life will transform other lives. That others will be attracted to the light. For you say they are the light, they are the salt. May your blessing, O God, rest upon this ministry. Rest upon this church. Rest upon what they do. That wherever they go, God, their testimony may speak for them. And that may create room for them. Your blessing, O God, upon your man's servant as he continues to minister with all the team around him. That, Lord, your blessing will remain with them. You bless them, O God, and you arise in their lives. We pray, you King of glory, that you continue to sustain your work. In the midst of trouble, may your light shine, your power to overtake them. I will declare now, O God, your blessing upon them and upon the work of their hands, upon what they do and what they touch, that you surround them with your peace, the peace that the world does not know. This we ask and pray in the name that is above all the names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.